Just a friendly reminder that the opinions expressed on this show are not worth a Canadian penny, so disregard anything you hear that might get anyone in trouble. And despite some of the great ideas you may hear, don't try them at home. Go to friend's house instead. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 123 for September 11th, 2015. I'm one of your hosts, Matthew the Warning Shot McClatchy. I would like to welcome our guest this week, Rick. Right. Hello, everybody. I'm Hi, Rick. Rick. I, I was going to introduce Rick after Trevor introduced himself as, you know, per normal. Because, I thought know. it was so important to introduce Rick that I would just... You, we would rather just not myself. talk to you at all. Yeah. Like, so I don't, don't even introduce you. We don't even need to know who you are. No. Who is this Rick guy? Exactly. Joe Nobody. <laughs> Joe Nobody. No, that was Joe Dirt, and he was at the at the range, too. That would be Gallon. That's, Joe yes, Dirt. That's, that's right. That's funny. With the Gallon perfectly, with the perfectly hem shorts. Oh, they were they were beautiful. And the cutoff shirt and the yeah. camo and the, oh, yeah. Redneck can. And the and, pink earmuffs. And the pink buffs. <laughs> and I'm Trevor the Frilatte. There you go. You finally got things, it out. I'm doing things out of order. Uh, well, I mean, why why start off in the correct order? Because dyslexia. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, yeah. so, Rick, who are you? I am Filthy's biggest fan. Right. I come on the show to tell everyone I'm his biggest fan. Uh, as we all are, I believe. But, uh, yeah, I'm a long-time listener, first-time caller. And uh, you guys were gracious enough to have me on your, your show to talk about the past weekend's events and stuff. So it's uh, happy to be here. Yeah, it's, it's the first time we've spoken to you over Skype, but you've been on the show before. Yeah, I'm a literator guy. I'm the, I like to sit in the background and kind of just kind of be the gray man. But today I'm out front and center, and uh, which is right. great. It's, it's a big change for me, which is good. i got to get out of the shell, and uh, so I'm on the show, and that's great. So Now, cool. let's, let me just jump in here. You're not the new guy. I'm not no. the new guy. You're not the new guy. We're still working on the new guy. You're I'm filling in. You're, you're a guest host this week, but you didn't submit any requests or uh, bios or audio submissions, so you're not the new guy. I just want just want everybody who submitted something to know we didn't just grab Rick and, and make Rick the new guy. So. And we wanted to make sure Rick felt this big right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that I want to – I just don't want the people who submitted audio submissions and bios to think that, you know, that's it. It's Rick. Moving on. Right. No, we no, though. No, we we've got some submissions and stuff and we might even play one or two of them later, maybe. But um but yeah, no, Rick's not the new guy. He is a new guy, but he's not the The new guy, yeah. Right. The new guy. So Rick, uh tell us a little bit about um well, who you are, where you live, uh how you got into guns. Uh Rick, uh born and raised in London, Ontario. Uh been in guns for about four years. And just started getting really heavily into training in the last maybe year and a half. I'd say. You want to list off some of the classes you've been to in the last year and a half, please? Uh, biggest one on my bucket list was the Meg 40 course. So that was uh, that was really huge for me to drive down to Florida and check that out. And well worth every penny and every hour I spent driving down that highway to get there and back. Uh, I got a great girlfriend, Jessica, and she's a shooter. She's had her R-Pal years before I had mine. Uh, we did a uh, Medicine X uh, with Caleb Causey from Lone Star Medics, and we did basic uh, introduction to uh, 
gunshot wound traumas and how to carry and other types of traumas. And that was two days of just pure adrenaline pump and fun. It's not sitting in the classroom watching slides go by, real life situations, scenarios, you know, returning fire, patching up your buddy, carrying him out to the evac site. It was blood pumping awesomeness. Hopefully not literally. No, it wasn't. Right. Because that would be, I mean, if you're, you're at a medical class, I mean, I guess that would be the place to do it, but, you know, still not as much fun as, as it is on TV. No, it's, you know, it, uh, you just uh, watch a bunch of videos, you kind of get the, almost a desensitization. So when the stuff actually does happen, you're kind of like, oh, geez, this is what it's going to look like. This is what it's going to feel like. And so that was a great eye opener. And uh, it was good to have my other half support system to do that type of, uh, you know, repair on me or vice versa if worst case scenario happens. And and now there's two of us, so we make a good team to, to patch up our loved ones or our friends that uh, that we need to. So it was a great combination to go to with uh, uh, with Jess, so it was awesome. That does uh, sound like fun. Yeah, I recommend it to anybody. Uh, Lone Star uh, Medics are on the internet, Kaokazi, and uh, uh, that Dark Angel Medical is probably next on my uh, – bucket list of places to do and it's just even more extensive unfortunately that's just two days of solid classroom um you know firearms related uh trauma so i don't know that's pretty cool um jess and i both did the tommy course um we did the daniel shaw course last year jess unfortunately or couldn't make it this year because she's pregnant which is awesome but she was bummed out she couldn't make it this year but she missed out a fantastic weekend I hope you rubbed that in a lot. Like, uh, wow, it was so much fun. You would have loved it. Oh, man. He, he mentions she's pregnant. You don't you don't rub nothing in with the pregnant lady. You just kind of... <laughs> well, no, I wouldn't. I just hope he did so that oh. there's, like, drama and stuff. <laughs> right. Don't look at these pictures because they're not awesome, even though they are awesome. <laughs> yeah, these are fantastic shots. Oh, oh all it, staged. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's all staged. Yeah, no, there are some awesome pictures on Facebook. Uh, anybody who's friends with Filthy, I think... We'll have had a chance to see some of those. And um, big, big shout out to Andrea and Jewel, the two uh, event photographers. They pulled off some amazing shots. Of yep. everybody's bum. Of everybody's bum. And there were some cool shots, too. Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, shout out, shout out to Kelly for uh, looking at everybody's bum and going, I recognize those bums. Yeah, yeah, that what was is, funny. What, what, does that, what does that say about me as a person is I know who that is based on their bum. <laughs> so thanks for checking us out, Kelly. That's, yeah, look, somebody's got to. Well, she says she takes us to bed every night. Well, yeah, she did. She Thursday. did say that. Yeah, every yeah. Thursday night we go to bed with Kelly. There's, yeah. there's that. So yeah, there's that, and she can recognize us by our bumps. I don't know, Kevin. Maybe you want to talk to her. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just saying. Yep, put that out there. <laughs> carry on, Rick. Uh, you know, uh, Ipswich Shooter, kind of like the IDPA as well. We have that under other club here in uh, London. Just uh, a sponge for all training and stuff, and just started teaching a fundamentals and manipulation course here at the uh, Crumlin, the local range here. And you started teaching? That's awesome. Yeah, um, the guy who runs Bullseye Sports here in London is was kind of pushing me and pushing me to do the uh, do something at the club, and I was kind of hemming and hawing because gun clubs aren't really friendly to new things happening, and I was kind of very on the edge. And uh, I wanted to do it, but didn't want to do it. And then, unfortunately, we had uh, a shooting here in London, which I wrote in uh, back in July about it, where Jeremy Cook got shot trying to receive his, retrieve his cell phone back yep. in the night. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was in my class with me. We took uh, Krav Maga together. And Jess was in that class for about two weeks. And then we found out she was pregnant, so she got kicked out of that course. 
and uh, discrimination. So, yeah. That's awful. Yeah, yeah. She wanted to stay, but uh, of course she did. Said you're defying me if you're going to stay. So she, we had to talk about it, and she didn't go back. So and uh, so yeah, Jeremy was in that class with me, and uh, when he got shot, it kind of hit us pretty hard. And uh, I didn't know him that well. He just in our class, and, but I just felt that he somehow felt maybe empowered to go and get his cell phone back and not thinking straight. And I'm like. I hate to see a gun owner go out and engage somebody, you know, on the street or in their house and not knowing the, you know, the, the rough rules of self-defense and engaging threats inside your home or outside your home. And someone's got to step up and say something. So I kind of use the class as kind of a, a stepping or a soapbox, I guess, if you will, to, you know, explain to people, you know, from the Mag 40 course, you know, the judicial use of deadly force and, you know when you can and can't use it, and um, so it gets pretty well perceived. You know, I've ran uh, two classes so far, and after driving home from the shock course, I was thinking about maybe you know level two pistol, like an urban uh, pistol uh, fundamentals course or something. So I had a lot of ideas coming back from the Dana shock course. So trying to implement that and maybe uh, get a bunch more people out there. And um, I got a waiting list from the first course, so. I got to choose which. Uh, it's very popular, apparently. Uh, I'm not really sure why no one other clubs aren't doing stuff like this. But uh, so it's nice to be uh, have a waiting list, and uh, so I'll try and get as many people as I can. And the great thing is, it's like 20 bucks. It's not a money making process. It's just to help people be better, safer. You know, go home safe, stay safe, keep your family safe. Uh, operation. So um, yeah, I got a lot of good people at the club support me, and they want to keep moving forward with that so i'm trying to create more adventurous things and uh, things to keep people intrigued and get the word out fantastic so, yeah so i should uh, keep me busy until the baby comes and then yeah. after that i'm not sure what's going to happen <laughs> <laughs> oh i'm sure you'll make it work yeah i hope yeah. so yeah but i'm um, you know i'm pretty motivated i just uh i just hate to see someone get themselves in a bad situation and uh just not knowing knowing what to do so yep and we see that, you know, off and on with the news and stuff. So sometimes it works for you. Sometimes, like Ian Thompson, it works against you. So yeah, yeah. No, it's nice to know what the what the rules of engagement are, so to speak, because uh, you're, it's easy to get into hot water if you don't know. Yeah. And then even if you do know, they may not know what you know, and so they may try to charge you with something silly. And you can say, "Look, I know I'm within my rights here." So yeah, yeah you it, know, it's good to know. Yeah, we do. You know, a couple minute blurb about you know how to deal with police officers after the shooting. You know, during the shooting, after the shooting, and uh, you know they don't. No one ever really covers that in Canada because you know, yeah, bad things happen whether it be you know firearm related incident or just a regular incident. You know, like just things to say, the wrong things to say, the wrong things to do, and so it's people just need to know some of the the information and all the stuff that you, I learned in the states carries over into Canada, and it's I've been. Uh, kind of dissecting piece by piece and finding the Canadian equivalent laws and making notes of that. And they're all the same mirrored laws pretty much. And they all uh, do the exact same thing. So it's uh, it's pretty cool because we always think that the U.S. laws are completely different, but there's mirror images of the laws here in Canada. So That is interesting to, to find out, yeah. Well, so. a lot of it goes back to old English law, right? And so that's why a lot of it is the same in both countries because it stems from commonwealth law so some of the stuff is the same no question and, and does apply on both sides of the border have you uh, looked into caps i can't remember the gentleman's last name his first name is dave 
He was recently told by the Quebec government he was no longer allowed to train in Quebec, self-defense style training. Uh, didn't New Shooter Canada do an episode with about that a long time ago, like last year maybe? He was doing like a security guard or Brinks training or something? Yeah, That's he was tra- training civilian and certain sectors of law enforcement um, for, for quite some time and then government of Quebec just shut him down. Huh. So anyway, yeah. he um, apparently, he is uh, spoken quite highly of by trainers in the United States. They've got a lot of respect for his ability to teach and the curriculum that he teaches. So I don't know if he ever leaves the province to teach, but he may be somebody that we talk to uh, about getting a class because um, he does cover the legal aspect as far as I, uh, from my, it's my understanding anyway that, yeah, he covers the uh, legal aftermath of a self-defense shooting in Canada. Yeah, that would be interesting. I have to write that down and see if I can uh, look some stuff on him there after uh, I get off with you guys. Mm-hmm. Cool. Cool. All right. Well, uh, why don't we move into what we did with guns? And uh, what I did with guns was attend the Daniel Shaw Carbine Vitals course. So we will talk about that later. That's why Rick's on. Rick, what did you do with guns this week besides that? Anything? Unfortunately, that was all I did, and that took every ounce of energy out of me. Yep, I, I hear you. Trevor apparently is nothing but energy, so Trevor, why don't you begin your soliloquy? Oh, soliloquy, yeah, it didn't stop. You're right. Like, I mean, the day after when everybody was licking their wounds, I was back on the range picking brass, and it was 29 degrees. And yeah, that, that was, was hot. Not, yeah, wasn't the smartest thing I've done. But I anyway. was home asleep. No, no, I was I sleeping. To... No, I was. Yeah, I realized that, uh, yeah. but I just, and I could have, but I just said, you know, I'm sore, but I just want to go, I want uh, I want to push more, so let's go, let's keep this exercise going and uh, and get out to the range and tidy things up a little bit, so that's what I did, picked some brass, and I shot my new Glock 19, thank you, Rick, nice. and uh, it shoots awesome, I changed the sights on it, it had uh, suppressor sights because it comes with a, it's basically a suppressor-ready Glock 19, the barrel is threaded and it's got the uh, extra high suppressor sights and that's how we get them into canada because the barrel is longer than the stock barrel yeah so we get the gun ready for suppressor but can't have said suppressor exactly it's all logical sure yeah Yeah. so and while at the range i got to shoot pia luke bought a spanish some kind doesn't matter double barrel 10 gauge that's that that's slightly less powerful than a 12 gauge right because it's a smaller number that's exactly how that works. <laughs> so he had three-inch turkey loads. Oh, those three, are psh, whatever. Yeah, three or three, three or three and a half. I think they're three-inch, three-inch turkey loads, and I videotaped him lighting them both off at the same time. Oh no way! Did he die? Yeah, almost. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he wasn't done being rocked by this first barrel when the second barrel kicked in because it wasn't simultaneous, but it was. As he just went boom, boom. Physically possible. Yeah, it was faster. Oh. Than that, but. Yeah, it was it was awesome, and I mean he giggled like like you know like you would when you light off two ten gauge barrels. Right. Yeah, it was fantastic, and then um, there was some range cleanup that needed to be done, and it was done with the um, assistance of Tannerite, and that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> Look, if it's in orbit, it's cleaned up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and then um, Monday, no Monday, Tuesday. I was way too tired on Monday. Tuesday. I recorded an episode of the Armed Couples podcast with Melissa. Uh, she had me on to talk about uh, Steel Challenge matches, or the sport of Steel Challenge, and how to uh, get into it. Was Toby, Toby on the show too? 
Nope, just me. Just and Melissa. So armed couples with with Melissa and Trevor. Yeah. So instead of being the overbearing wife podcast, it was actually like really decent. Cause oh. She, and I, I think it's actually all Toby. I think that's what it is. I think it's his thing. I think, you know, because after spending all this time with Melissa, she seems like the normal one. And it's right. Toby that I think is, yeah. So Toby's the. Yeah. Right. I think, well, I've just, I, I never met them in person, but I'm pretty sure she could do better. You I met guess. them on Facebook. I mean, that's pretty much the same thing as meeting them in person. I mean, you're friends with them, obviously. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah. Psh, whatever. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you're you're qualified right now to give them advice to and make, stuff. Okay. All yeah, right. and to so. and to let let them know that that she can do better. Really. <laughs> I was gonna try and stop and clean it up, but you just kept it. Going. It's too late, man. No, you dig the yeah. hole. I jump in and help. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. <laughs> uh, no, I'm just kidding. They're awesome, and I love their show. It's. Um, I said many times it serves a, it serves a really important role in podcasting, right? It's reaching out to those husbands and wives that carry. That's and right. Provides them with a little, you know, couple entertainment and some education and a resource. Absolutely. And I mean, God, they had the the number one armed couple in the universe on a couple of weeks ago. They had Gail and Mass you and on. you and Bolivar. <laughs> no, the other one. Oh, Gail and Gail and Mass were on, and uh, so I mean, you know. That's pretty cool. I mean, they are a pretty, pretty up there armed couple for sure. Yep. Yep. Um, what else do I do? All the, um, all the trans transfers for the firearms from SummerSlam were approved. So I got the, all those firearms shipped out this week. Went to our monthly gun club meeting last night. We're in, we're in hard shape. Um, the treasurer had to step down because he's got a thing right now. And so he handed in the books and said, I'll see you when I see you. So hopefully Mark Shrew is going to step up and and fill that role because he he was the he's the immediate past treasurer and he knows what he's doing he's managed right. books for other groups before so hopefully he'll do that and our vice president quit so Harold got uh, appointed first vice president and then I got appointed second vice president until the election right so because you know stuff so what's the second vice president do. Basically, just whatever uh, the first vice president tells him to do. No, I am oh. not Harold's assistant. That's not how that works. At I'm all. pretty sure you are now. Um, there is a written description in our constitution of the role for each executive member. I mean, uh, but I can't tell you what it is off the top of my head. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll, f- I'll fill in for him if he can't be there. Oh, okay, gotcha. Right, and if Harold has to fill in for Jason, then I fill in for Harold, and we still have quorum, right? Gotcha. So. And then um, big shout out to Freedom Ventures. My gun was uh, shipped and back within a week. I mean, last week, I think I said that I shipped it that day. And um, no, I would have shipped it. It broke on a, on a Sunday, and I probably shipped it that Monday. So anyway, the gun came back yesterday. Yeah, the gun came back quick. yesterday. Yeah, yeah I, I tore it down and cleaned it up and checked it out and stuff. And the um, it's not the same barrel that was there before. I think um, really no they changed the barrel and it's not the same one the, I'm talking about the like the these barrels have to be fit but right. even f- like from STI they used to engrave the caliber on the barrel now they're stamping it on the barrel right um, of course mine was all polished before this one's kind of matte so if I want to if I want to I can polish it up but I probably won't bother and um, so Sh- Sean uh, Hansen the owner of Freedom Ventures he seems to have done a really nice job of fitting it and I headed out to the range today there was a couple of hang-ups on the uh, on the chamber, on the uh, feed ramp. Towards the end of the session, I put 350 rounds through it. I was quite concerned when I first started shooting it. The group was 
well, I didn't expect the point of impact to be where it was before. So it was grouping not too bad, but it was high and left. Mm-hmm. And I had to fight to, to dial it in. And it's almost like the barrel had to be fouled in or something. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the accuracy was bad until the last, like, 100 rounds. For a while, I was like, I am not taking this thing to provincials. This is going back. This is something wrong. That's literally how bad it was. And um, I tried standing freestyle. I tried shooting it off of the bench and just went back and forth. And so basically, throughout the 250 rounds, of it, or no, yeah, 350 rounds over a two-hour period, the longer I shot, the more the gun regained its accuracy. And uh, by the end, I was satisfied standing at 10 yards. I shot a shot a nice 10 group pretty much all in the same hole, you know. And uh, then I just spent the last 100 or so working on the dueling tree, just some, some draws and stuff like that, once I was convinced that the gun was sighted in. But uh, it was stressful for a while. It took some doing. Yeah, no, I um, I know what you feel like or how you feel. I mean, it's it, whenever you have a gun that doesn't shoot straight, it's just it's frustrating. It mm. it annoys the heck out of me. I know I know whenever uh, uh, that buckmark that carbine that I had and it was just like it just didn't shoot straight. And it's like come on, just start shooting straight. And it never did. So I sold it. Mm. So you know you should just sell your STI. Oh no, wait, you said it started shooting straight again. You should keep that. Yeah, when well, I mean, you're talking down to the, it's it's the day before I leave for provincial. I know. Yeah. No, and that is super stressful. Well, you want to win. It's a, yeah, I absolutely want to win. I mean, I I was champion last year for a week, and then they said there was an error in scoring, and I had to give the trophy back. And uh, even though once an hour has gone by, the results are final, but yeah, whatever. But you gave um, it back anyway. Yeah. So, well, I mean, it is what it is. I didn't win, whether the you know, and whether. See, an now that's the not. kind of that's the kind of sportsmanship that I like to see because well, I've seen it go the other way too, where yeah. you want to win like that. Well, no yeah, way. fine. Me, Keep it. See me. if I care. No, that's not me either. I don't want to win like that. I want to win, and I want to be. I want to win legitimately. Yeah, not by the rule book. Just yeah. Be, oh, uh, you can't take it back. The results have been posted for more than an hour. Okay. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. You're gonna walk around being that guy. Yeah. We all know who really won. Give me a break. Yeah. So anyway, so this year, I mean, I've had an excellent season. I've won almost all the matches I've shot or finished second. My worst showing this year was fourth in Nova Scotia at their provincials. I mean, even second in SummerSlam. It's my best season yet. So, Yep. I, I, I fully look. expect you to take this. If you don't, I, I will probably cry with you. Or kick me off the show. Or no, I wouldn't do that. Off the team. Dude, so. if we did that, we wouldn't have a half hour what we did in guns this week. <laughs> Some people might be okay with that. No, but, no. I mean, we live vicariously through the furlot. The anxiety is pretty high because normally I would be practicing like mad, and I haven't been able to because the gun was in the shop. Yep. And uh, I get it back yesterday. Was too tired, actually too tired to go to the range, and then went there today and put 350 rounds through it. And that's it. It's either do it's do or die now. Get yeah. down there and either it works or it doesn't. Yeah. yeah. So I, I I cleaned it and now I got to reassemble it and then finish sorting my ammo and let's go get her done. Beauty. Sounds yeah, like fun. So. Um, yeah, that's it for me. You want to take us into upcoming events? Do I ever. Uh, the Woodstock Pistol and Rifle Club raffle. It's $10 a ticket. Send an email to WPRC2005 at gmail.com. Proceeds are going to the construction of the new range facilities. And I have to say that there has been an update on that. The new berms are in place. 
and uh, you can't shoot on them yet. They need to be approved, of course. But the uh, the rifle the rifle side of it is still approved. You can still go there and shoot rifle if you're in the area. Uh, but I I would say uh, go check out the the new berms and see how this whole multi uh, multi bay pistol shooting thing is going to go down. It's going to be a lot of fun, I think. So I'm really stoked that that is proceeding as planned. Um, but yeah, buying raffle tickets is going to help them, you know, pay for that. So if uh, you want to win some cool prizes, send them an email and uh, find out how to get a ticket. I haven't done that yet. Can you believe that? You should do that. I should totally do that because this is supporting a range that is trying to improve its accessibility for action shooting. Absolutely. Hello? And we shoot action shooting. We do? <gasps> we Why do. Why have we done this? Dang it. Did you get a ticket? No. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> So anyhow, uh, there's that. Also, the multi-gun uh, is coming up next weekend. Yeah, that's not stretching me out or nothing. I haven't even designed the stages yet. I don't. You know don't, you don't really need to, right? Oh, I, I need to so I can figure a round count so I can tell people so they can go buy their ammo. Just tell 100 rounds. Well, I'm going to look into my closet and whatever I have. Whatever you ammo, have, yeah. That, that's, how much, that's how many shotgun rounds there are going to be because <laughs> I ain't buying any ammo. No, <laughs> That's hilarious that? and completely believable. Uh, not no, it's not. It's yeah, not it's awesome. Things. Oh man, who's got the time? Nobody, really. I would like to. I would really like to postpone it by a month. Yeah, but, do it. Uh, no, do it. no. The uh, invite letter's been sent out. The Quebec guys uh, have gotten their ATTs and oh, they have. Yeah, and I'd like to get some hunting in for a change. Plus, I've got like oh, three or four different test loads. For right. 30-06, 308, and 223 that I need to get to the range and try yeah. and Yeah, before develop. hunting season gets here. Yeah. yeah. So I'm gonna sw- I want to switch gears here and get into my uh, my bench rest rifles. Right. Cool. Um, that's it for upcoming events. Uh, news, uh, we have an update, it looks like? Yeah, this is not a... It's not a... I mean, it's definitely for the listeners of the show and the people who were at the uh, charity shoot. I'd it's, like- sh- it's show-related, not... type. Uh, gun related right right right. so so for those of you that have been listening long enough to remember the details of this year's charity shoot and for those of you that attended the charity shoot you'll remember that the uh, barbecue was a separate fundraiser for former club president chris kingston's son-in-law claude martel and claude martel is a former law enforcement officer from the city of bathurst who unfortunately after being the first responder to the boys in red tragedy uh left policing due to, uh, you know, well, you can PTSD, right? Mm-hmm. So as if things weren't bad enough, Claude was diagnosed with uh, lung cancer, the type that's usually associated with exposure to asbestos. And uh, I just want to update the listeners that Claude went into surgery yesterday in Quebec to see what they could do on the inside to cut out some of the cancer. And he was uh, in surgery much longer than they anticipated. He was in there for over 12 hours. Wow. Uh, yeah, reason being is once they opened them up, they discovered that there was more cancer in other places that they weren't anticipating, so it was into the glands and into the muscle. And So he's uh, in critical but stable condition and in the intensive care unit, and he will be in the hospital for the next at least 14 days. Um, and they have to now under, undergo more tests to find out, you know, how far the cancer spread into the glands and stuff like that. And start them on on uh, on treatments right so you know if you're the praying kind uh you know chris's family and uh, claude and his wife they sure could use some some support so um you know we appreciate everybody that came to the cherry shoot and helped uh contribute to his to his cause by stuffing your face with burgers 
and uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully there'll be a happy ending to this story. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. So, cool. Any other news? I don't think so. No, I think that's it. I think we should uh, move into the main topic, and the main topic this week is uh, why we Rick have Woods. Rick. Yeah, Rick <laughs> Woods is our main topic this week. I love um, me. <laughs> so uh, we we attended the the three of us plus uh, seven others the Daniel Shaw Carbine Vitals and it looked like it was like a Carbine Vitals two plus and there was yeah. also a handgun Vitals in there as well. So uh, we're just gonna kind of walk you through the weekend what we did, um, kind of how it went, and then maybe some some things that we took away from the course. Um, maybe some things we learned or, or just some things we discovered or, or even just, you know, how we liked it kind of thing. So, um, Trevor, why don't you start us off with just kind of how, how the day progressed day one. Let's just start with day one and then kind of just roll through it. Sure. Um, we got to the range and, uh, we were told to put on some pistols (laughs) and we started off like most pistol classes do. We were on a common firing line three meters away. And we were explained the fundamentals of, you know, marksmanship when it comes to firing a pistol. The usual things were covered, grip, stance, trigger press, sight alignment, all that good stuff. A couple of different things were introduced, you know, um, something that we would call the uh, flash sight pitcher, where Daniel was encouraging uh, to experiment with not necessarily focusing on that hard front sight, to actually just speed things up by putting metal over meat and, you know, look at the target and let the front sight and the back sight be blurry. But just make sure they're over the target and you should get accurate, fast hits. I played with it. I uh, wasn't able to, I didn't play, you know, I mean, I played with it. A couple of ends, right? A couple, mm-hmm. of, couple yep. of drills. So I didn't play with it for a week to see if I could make the switch. But it was definitely unnatural to uh, try and not look at your front sight after you've been forced to look at it or forced yourself to look at it for years. And then we progressed into um, some moving. And that's where this course starts to uh, spread its wings and separate itself from other courses out there. Uh, This was not static. This was very dynamic. We were moving forward, backwards, moving with a partner, moving laterally, that whole stepping off line thing, I had forgotten about that. It was really nice to have that reintroduced. Yep. So what I mean by that was I believe it was Rick was pointing his air pistol at, at Shaw, you know, and pretending to basically mug Shaw. And Shaw showed, you know, we talked about Oodaloop. And What's that, Oompa Loompas? Yeah, Oompa Loompas. Right. It sounds a lot like Oodaloop. Yes. And why don't you tell the listeners what Oodaloop Loop is? Oompa Loompa do da da day. Oh no, Ooda. Uh Observe, orient, decide, and act. Right. That's your Ooda Loop. And so what you're trying to do in the Ooda Loop process? See, both people have the Ooda Loop going, whether they know it or not. The yep. bad guys one up on you because he started the confrontation. So you need to interrupt his Ooda Loop and get ahead of him. And so what you do is you disrupt him somehow. You disrupt his process. And so one way you can do that is by simply getting out of his line of fire. So if you can very quickly transition to the left or to the right, he now can't just press the trigger to shoot you. He has to actually follow you with his eyes, follow you with his head, follow you with his hands, re, re, re-grip his gun if, if he's a bad shooter, and realign his sight picture and then, and then press the trigger. So you can get into his head, so to speak, interrupt his OODA loop, and maybe get the drop on him. Because Doesn't always work, like Daniel said, but it's definitely worth the shot. Yeah, get, it's better than standing still. That's right. 
You know, I'd rather be shot while moving away than shot while standing still. Right. Uh, absolutely. You know? So, yeah. I mean, action is always faster than reaction. So, in a self-defense situation, you're obviously reacting because, as Matthew said, you did not instigate this conflict or this confrontation. Right. So, you're reacting to somebody attacking you. Well, now you need to have him react to something you're doing, as Matthew said, to disrupt his loop. Yep. And so step offline, and while you're stepping offline, draw your handgun and engage targets. So we practiced that with a static target. <laughs> I kind of messed it up. I'm like, all right, there's a target in front of me. I would step offline and then shoot the target I was now lined up with. <laughs> oh, you shoot your buddy's target. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I caught myself doing that. No, yeah. So That happens. Uh, yeah. So, and then uh, we finished up day one by sighting in our rifles, zeroing our rifles to make sure that they were in fact zeroed. Uh, so we would have more time for just drills the following day when we got in the rifles. And, and the reason why we were able to do this is he found that the level of the class was such that he could skip certain things and spend more time on other things. And we got through a carbine vitals or a, a handgun vitals one class, I guess it would have been pretty quickly because... Just like last year, he was like, oh, okay, well, you guys already know how to stand, you know how to grip, you know yeah, how to press. We didn't have to trigger, spend a whole yeah. lot of time with them teaching us stuff. And and I think that's that's what most instructors will find coming to Canada is that because we have to go through so much work to get guns, we're we're actually that much more interested in them. And so we're, we're that much more apt or, or more likely to, to have already achieved some level of competency, especially yeah. those of us who are involved in the competition sports. Yeah, very few of us take our guns for granted. We have guns because we want guns, and yep. we use them because we have them. That's right. We didn't. So. I mean, the group of people that attend classes generally use their guns. Yep. Right. So, now one thing I would like to back up and talk about on the handgun course uh, before we jump too far ahead is he had us doing a lot of one-handed shooting. Yeah, it, that's uh, true. It, it it was something that I've sort of thought about before, but he really drove home that you know when you watch self-defense videos on YouTube or LiveLeak or, you know, wherever you watch your self-defense uh, videos, a lot of the time, people are shooting their guns one-handed. And and there's a reason for that. It's it's not a static range. You don't have the option to just put both hands on the gun and get a good sight picture and a good grip and, you know, squeeze off that perfect round. You're, you know, protecting somebody or you're carrying something or you're opening a door or you're closing a door or you're pushing somebody away. Like you're doing something with your other hand. And so you've only got one hand to, to, to shoot your gun with. So he, he forced us to um, to shoot with just one hand and had us do things with our other hand just to, and, and it wasn't, you know, make a fist and put it up on your chest and squeeze it as hard as you can to get that sympathetic, uh, squeezing with your, with your, your, your shooting hand, which is a fantastic way to shoot one handed. And that's how you do it in the competition sports. But in real life, you may not have that option. And so I actually made a point once to actually be manipulating my phone when he yelled threat. And so I, maintained my grip on my phone, made sure I didn't drop it and, and engaged to, you know, my target. And then, you know, just to give my other hand something to do. And it, it really, it was like an eye opener. It's like, oh, wow. Like you really have to concentrate on what you're doing with both hands. You can't just squeeze that hand and forget about it. You've got to make sure that, you know, I don't break your phone or, you know, whatever, don't drop it and all that other fun stuff. So anyway, I found that very interesting. Uh, Rick, what did you think of the first day there? Uh, first day was awesome. Uh, highlights were the one-handed reloads we're doing with the pistols. Oh yes, tell us about that. That was that was that was great. I loved the learning about that. You know, as you were saying, like uh, 
you know, you watch all those uh, shooting videos where it's all one-handed and Daniel would tell stories about how police officers, they wouldn't put down there their clipboard or their radio and they just keep holding on to their tools for all dear life because they just don't know that muscle memory just, I got to hold on to what uh, the stuff that I need even though you don't really need a clipboard. Yeah, exactly. But your, your, your lizard brain doesn't know that. It just knows that you've got something and you're in a life and death situation, you don't get rid of anything except, well, maybe you, maybe your bowels kind of thing, but you know, yeah, you your shorts and <laughs> yeah. stories of people coming home with their groceries in their arms or they're holding a baby or a cell phone or, yep. or whatever. They just, so your, your other arm is just out of commission. Yep. And of course, most of the time you put your hands out in front of you and people are shooting at you, you're, someone's going to shoot your hand. Right. So it's right. so easy to get one arm out of commission and uh, what better way to practice, you know, reload with one hand and, um, I've seen the, the one hand, you know, throw it back in the holster, you know, throw a mag in, rack it on your holster and you're back in the fight. But then we put it behind our knee and threw a mag in, racked in our joint of our knee and then back up into the fight. And that was awesome. Yeah, that was a, that was a new way for me. I had, I, I, I don't know if I had ever even seen that way before. So that was kind of neat too. I've, I've seen the guys grip it between their knees, like kind of bring their knees together, but, but to actually bend down and use the back of your knee and pinch the gun there, and yeah, that, it seemed to work quite well. Which is a lot safer than putting it between your knees. And, and back in the day in Ipsic, when it was a weak hand or strong hand only stage, you were not allowed to use the other hand for anything. Right. And so it was getting dangerous because guys were not controlling their muzzle and putting it between their knees. And so finally they had to say, no, you're allowed to do you know, uh, remedial movements with both hands. But in reality... You may not have access to the other hand. You may have taken a bullet in that hand and cannot use it no matter how bad you want to. Yep. And so this this cycling the action on the firearm, racking the slide, if you will, by pinching it between your, your calf and your quad. Or your quad, the one in the back? Hamstring? Well, anyway, the one in the back. Know. Pinching it with your knee. Leg. Your upper yeah. leg and your lower leg. <laughs> you, were, you were doing that with the muzzle pointed away from you and downrange. Don't yes. think that we were putting this thing in. I mean, picture this. You go down, you're right-handed, you go down on your right knee, you bring the back of the slide in there, well, where's the muzzle automatically pointed? Downrange. Downrange. Downrange, yeah. Yeah, no, it was so, definitely very safe. We, yeah. we That was one thing that he made sure that we were all following the safety rules. The safety rules were don't point your gun in, in an unsafe direction and that, you know, keep your finger off the trigger. Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously so the rest works. of them were there too, but it, it was just, yeah. We were all very conscientious of where our muzzles were pointing, and uh, I don't think anybody uh, ever, I don't think a single person was chastised or noticed. Not, not a warning, uh, no. Uh, yeah, about their gun in an unsafe direction. So, you know, kudos to all the all the um, participants for being safety conscientious. Mm. Um, so I didn't try that one, and I regret not trying it. You still can. I'm just, I'm here to tell you that Daniel yeah. will let you try that at home. I was uh, I got into just putting the empty gun in the holster and inserting a mag into it, taking out and hitting the slide release with my thumb, and that was working for me. Uh, but what if I don't have a holster? Yeah, exactly. Right. What uh, if you're at home and you grab your gun out of your safe? Right. Because that's so, re- realistically the only time we're going to be able to use a handgun in self-defense is probably at home. Yeah. So I really should have practiced that, but as you said, I can still practice it. Yeah. Sure. 
So yeah, that was cool. I, I really enjoyed day one. Um, I didn't know that it was going to be just handguns the first day and all rifles the second day. I thought it was going to well, be both, both days, but fairness, none of us did. Yeah, it is what it is, but yeah. uh, it was good. And I did, you know, when I found out it was just handguns, I'm like, oh, great. I'm, I'm, I already know how to shoot my handgun. I'm fine. Yeah, well, Let's move somebody, on to rifles. But somebody actually made the comment and they weren't being cocky or anything. It was a legitimate concern. What can Daniel really show me about shooting a handgun? Right. And that sounds like something I would say, but I didn't say it. <laughs> well, he Somebody. showed me some stuff, that's for sure. Yeah, he showed all of us some yeah. stuff. Yeah. And it's not that this person didn't go in with a willingness to learn. It was a legitimate question. What can he actually show me? Because I've yeah. been to a pile of classes already. Is he really right. going to show me something? And uh, yeah, I think he showed all of us something, whether it was that reloading behind your knee or the new way of aiming slowing slowing down the trigger press with the 1 1000 2 1000 that actually to... really worked for me i know what that drill is and we we teach it the, the compressed surprise break mm-hmm. and we've done the you know add pressure until till it breaks you know focus on your front sights but for whatever reason when i did it his way and it was adding pounds is how he did it he said 1 pound 2 pounds 3 pounds and I put five shots like almost in the exact same hole when I was doing that, and I've never done that before. I mean, That's I'm, awesome. I, I know I'm not a I'm not a, a terrible shot, but I'm not a fantastic shot either, especially when it comes to standing still bullseye shooting. I'm an action shooter. I run around, and when the blood's pumping, the adrenaline's flowing. That's when I tend to to do good. And just to stand there on the line, I've never been able to just bullseye shoot. I've, I've just never been good at it with a handgun. And to just kind of put, I, I was like. How am I missing? Like I'm not missing. They're all going in the same hole. Like I couldn't even tell that I was putting them into the same hole a couple of times. Like, wow, this is really cool. And so it was it was really nice to be able to actually have some technique that's actually worked for me. I mean, I've tried them all before, but they just never seem to really work all that well for me. Yeah, I love the one pound, two pound thing. That's awesome. And that's something I'm gonna try and pay for to other people and get them to try it, because that's a great tool, great technique. So it yep. made a world of difference for me too. Yep, and and I know Trevor, you commented on the uh, the the blurry sights. Not really, you know, that's not how you learn to shoot. That that is how I learned to shoot. And so whenever he said, "Yeah, blurry sights are okay," I was like, "Woo!" That's <laughs> <laughs> so, okay if you're getting your hits. Yeah, exactly. And you know, like he said, if you have time, get that crisp front sight. You know, and I have learned to shoot with the front sight, nice and crisp. And I I even do a nipsic a lot of the times for the longer shots for sure. You know, if I have time, that front sight is as sharp as I can possibly get it. But if I don't, I have a blaze orange day glow, you know, front sight that that's very easy to see. I'll just stick it on the target and press a trigger. And, you know, for the most part, I get my hit. So it, w- it was nice to see a professional say, you know what, sometimes it's okay, as opposed to what you hear on the Internet. That's never okay. You always have to have a front sight crisp, you know. So it was kind of nice to, to kind of see that and hear that. Yeah, those are guys that you just don't train or they're only taking one, you know, 10-hour class or something. Right. Or hey, four-hour uh, class. Trevor, at the MiG-40, did you do the uh, the stress fire where you do, like, the, the trembling hands? And yes. So kind of yes. that, and you just kind of find your the right time when you're trembling with your hands to pull the trigger and get your shot off? Yeah, it was to prove to us. So what he's talking about, Matthew, is uh, we literally started shaking the gun like it was in a blender. Oh, yeah. And... Um, and and then press the front sight through the shake, and uh, well, guess what? We were still hitting uh, hitting our target. So wait, when the front sight's on the target, you hit it? Mm-hmm. Huh? 
Who'd have Even thought? if it is all shaking around. Yeah. <laughs> as long as it's shaking around within the confines of the center of the target, guess what? It's going to hit the center of the target. Every time. Gosh. Isn't that something? Mm. Well, yeah. but, you know, it just goes, it just, to show the students that, yes, it's true, you will shake and you will still get hits. Yep. Don't, yeah. to, don't not pull the trigger because the front sight's shaking. Exactly. I mean, you, you could you could lose your life in a situation like that if you're if you're being too careful. So you gotta you gotta understand that physiological response is going to be you know tr- shaking and trembling. So learn to fight through it. Mm-hmm. Um, another cool uh, drill we did that I think it was the last drill is he painted uh, a couple of rocks and we had to look down at the rocks and walk a figure eight. Figure and, eight drill, yeah. Yeah, and then he painted numbers on targets downrange, and so he would yell a number out, and you would have to first look up, identify which target he's talking about, then get to wherever Daniel was and cover him with your support hand, and then draw with your strong hand, your your, your shooting hand, and then engage the threat one-handed. And that was a really neat drill because he, he wasn't too easy on us. He would he would run away sometimes. You'd have to chase him down or, or he would like be behind you or in front of you or wherever. And so you really had to make sure you watched your muzzle. You really had to make sure you knew where he was and what target you were shooting at. And it, it was kind of a fun drill. And, and I think he was um, a little taken aback at how aggressive Canadians can be. <laughs> yeah, when we got to him, we got to him. Yep. Yeah, and and it, yeah. So we, uh, you know, Daniel was saying that you know, Trevor, do you play hockey? Because you know, <laughs> but Daniel wasn't the only one that was, uh, or well, that was Daniel wasn't the only one that was beaten up. I was with Fred. <laughs> Fred, Fred, don't take no prisoners. Fred, don't take no prisoners. Fred was taking me or my arm. That's yep. just how it was going to be. <laughs> uh, you know, I knew Fred was a big lad. But I never really knew how big Fred was. Fred's got to be six foot two. And he, you know, I thought he was kind of light, but I mean, no, not to pick on you, but you know, you're kind of. I'm light. Yeah. Fred's not light. Fred is, in fact, very solid and um, strong. Because when Fred reached around, you always had to keep contact with the person you were covering. So Fred would reach around and grab my arm, and it was like having my arm in a bear trap. (laughs) If he wanted to move, I was happy to go along with him. No, it was yeah. You knew Fred had a hold of you. That's that's all I'm gonna say. Yep, yep. Uh, any any other thoughts on day one, gentlemen? I think that was the highlights for me. I think uh, it was good all overall, and uh, they both days were uh, equally balanced. I guess maybe the second day was a little bit more because it was uh, the adrenaline was amped up a lot more on the second a day. Lot. So. Yeah. A lot more, yeah, yeah. We actually second- did we did quite a bit less shooting the second day. I felt. But we, I got a lot more out of it. We did more, but fired less. Um, I don't know. Like on the line, the close-in stuff with the fundamentals and grip and stance and and, and um, clearing stoppages. Oh, that was a, fun, clearing stoppages. Yeah, we got yeah. a fair bit of, of shooting done. but Especially when he said, okay, guys, uh, who has an empty mag? And everybody's like, no, none of us have an empty mag. Okay, well, do a mag dump then because we need an empty mag. And so... He says, you know, do a mag dump and reload. And so everybody dumps their mags and reloads, and then, like, half the class <laughs> half the class dumps their mags again. He's laughing. He's like, no, guys. You crazy <laughs> Canadian. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's the one thing he's not impressed with is the um, stumbling blocks that we have to go through to try and get mags that, you know, have more than five rounds, and then are they reliable? And Yep. Man, so, um, yeah, highlighted day two. Uh 
Well, you're actually no. Let's just start. Let's start at the, the, start the beginning of day two and kind of work through yeah, it, like we with the pistol one. All right, you yeah. start this one. Okay. Well, we start off like you said. We started off on the line. Um, we we had done our zeroing the night before. Uh, Rick, how did zeroing go for you? Like really easy, right? Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand the aim point, the little labels. You turn it to the left means up. Apparently not sometimes. So yeah. anyways, we figured it out. We did. Yeah, it took a little yeah. while, but uh, yeah, that was fun. So we, we got our rifle zeroed, and um, Daniel prefers the 36 300 uh, zero. And so we zeroed at 36 yards, and that gives you plus or minus about a foot out to 400 yards, which, uh, you know, if, if you need to fight out to 400 yards without having to aim off, I mean, that, that's, you know, that's pretty impressive for an AR. I would say. So, you know, I like that zero too. Not my favorite. I think I'll switch back to the 50 yard zero for three gun and, and Ipsic and, and that sort of thing because I don't anticipate shooting more than 300 yards, right, Trev? I don't know. You'll have to wait and see. <laughs> I don't know yet. I'm being unprepared. I don't know yet. Yeah, I don't know. Hmm, maybe. Maybe you'll maybe. shoot 300 yards. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, we, we did the, the zero wing the night before. And then um, uh, Sunday morning, we uh, we started off on the line and. Uh, basically he did what he did with his last year is he had us all, um, bring our rifle up and fire quickly, as quickly as we could. And, and what that does is it, is it shows, do you have a solid stance? Because even, even a two to three will, will rock you back a little bit uh, under sustained, uh, continuous fire. And so, yeah, all five rounds really rock you off your feet. Well, you know, it can, (laughs) (laughs) but it gives you an indicator if if you're, if you're standing correctly or not. And so it was, it was nice to kind of reaffirm that, uh, you know, most people were standing properly and had good grips. And, and again, I mean, the sort of the mantra from him throughout the day was, okay, we're going to skip that or, okay, the day just got a little longer or, okay, yeah, no, you guys don't need to work on that. You know, it was, it was kind of nice to kind of have him say, you know what? We don't need to practice, you know, admin reloads because it's pretty obvious you guys know what those are. So we did practice a few of them and, and we practiced speed reloads and stuff too. But yeah, started off with just some real basic fundamentals. Um, the whole idea of sight over bore. Um, on an AR, your sight is two and a half inches over your bore. And so if you want to take a headshot on somebody at three meters, well, you can't just aim where you want your bullet to hit because it's going to hit two and a half inches low. So you have to make sure that you remember to aim a little bit high. So that sort of thing. It was it was kind of neat to kind of get a refresher on on that sort of thing. Um, uh, <laughs> funny note. So you remember how I was saying how we did a lot of one-handed shooting on day one. Um, so we're shooting at our targets, and we have the classic uh, Ipsic, not classic. The uh, what do you call them? The Ipsic targets with the head box. Metric. Metric. All right, sure. So we were shooting at those ones, and so. We're shooting away just at the at the chest, you know, the the center center of mass, and then he yells out. This is what he yells out. He yells out one headshot. Well, that's not what I hear. I hear one hand shot. <laughs> I'm like, that's dumb. But who am I to argue? And so I drop my left hand and just shoot the target again with one hand. I'm like, well, that was okay. I guess I might have to shoot my gun one handed. And I look around. Everybody else has a nice, beautiful hole in the head of all of their target head boxes, and I don't have one there because. I just shot the center of mass again. And so, <laughs> oh, one headshot. Well, that makes a lot more sense now, doesn't it? So we learned that electronic hearing protection is invaluable when attending a class. <laughs> yeah. He was trying to talk to Fred, too, and Fred didn't know what he was saying. Right. Like, what? What? I can't hear you. <laughs> so anyway, that was fun um, in a funny sort of way. There's actually a picture of that on Filthy's album. There's There's... 
everybody on the line with two hands on their gun and McClatchy with my hand down at my side shooting my rifle one-handed. And that yeah. it, the photographer just had to catch that one moment where I one-hand shot. Sure. <laughs> you know, whenever you're in a class and you're not sure what the drill is, you can always like stand down and get clarification before you do it. Nope, not with Daniel. <laughs> nope, you do. You do. Yep. <laughs> uh, so anyway, that that was sort of how we started out. Um, what did we do after that? that? That we moved into stoppages then, didn't we? Yeah, well, that's about the time we should have cleaned your rifle. Yeah, well, I just put some oil on it later and it worked fine. <laughs> yeah, I know. So, um, Rick, what did we do with stoppages? Do you uh, remember the different stoppages we did? I think first we should talk about the 76.2 by 39 gun that Trevor was shooting. Oh, yeah, the 76.2. You have a 76.2 caliber, don't you? Yeah, I also have a 55.6. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to, just, I don't know if we're going to bother explaining why we changed the name of the calibers, but yeah. Guns, <laughs> guns are now 55.6 or 76.2. Yep. Oh, and we also did... Um, we'll talk. No, about no, no, it. we want to talk about your 76.2. I think that's where Rick was going with this. We will, but let's not forget <laughs> to talk about transitions. We did transition from rifle to pistol. Yep, yep, that was a little so, later on, though, I think. So, yeah, so my NEA 39 um, works great. It's super accurate, but I continue to struggle with magazines. And some magazines, I took all my mags to the range the week before to sort through them, and because some of them had been giving me issues. So I labeled them all and found three that didn't want to run consecutively time after time after time. So I threw those aside, and I took my seven that functioned flawlessly to the class. Yep. And... um about halfway through day two, the um, mags that had been working suddenly didn't want to work anymore. Yeah, they just stopped. It was weird. Like, they were nosediving. Like, and, and here's That's, the thing. You can't even blame you for it because you tested them all, and they were working fine. And all of a sudden, for them to stop working, baffles. Like, I have no idea why that happened. And, I mean, I, I could have wasted time and said, okay... Just, it just, okay, this one doesn't work. I, and I started to do that. As soon as the mag malfunctioned, I took it out of the rotation. And, and how did you take it out of the rotation? Well, one got thrown downrange. Yes, um, there was that. <laughs> one got thrown uprange. As long as it was thrown, it was considered out of rotation. Right, yeah. Which, which, you know, perfect. Yeah, and then finally, towards the end there, um, the rifle was cleared and the hammer was dropped, and then it was, not gonna say thrown, but it was just kind of. It was aggressively misplaced. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I just kind of walked off the line in in a safe manner. I mean, the muzzle didn't cover anything it shouldn't have. You know, no, you did it I safely. It. it was just he was just aggressive with it. You know. Yeah, yeah and you went and you got a gun that worked. Yeah. Yeah. So. So that was it's good. Too, it's too bad because the gun does work, and the gun is stupid accurate. You know what was awesome about that? Not to mm-hmm. cut you off or anything, but I'm gonna. Yeah. When we were standing there on the line. I, you know, I would shoot my drill and then I would kind of lean forward and squint and kind of see where I hit. No problem with you. You <laughs> yes. could see your hits. 30 cal holes, yeah. You no see. problem. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So, so anyway. We, we did transitions that day and then we did the, um, we did another drill where um, we could talk about the one where you're walking forward shooting and your buddy's behind you and then you peel out and he takes over. Yes. You reload and then you take yep. over. So, um, well, there, I guess I just described that one. Let's just yeah. say that like like the handgun class, the rifle class was dynamic. Yes. We were not standing still on the line for very long. We, 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 stood, at, 
Yeah, we stood there long enough to go through the fundamentals and to do uh, clearances. Yeah, figure out where to hold and yep. and do some clearance drills. Yep. We did the double feed. Mm-hmm. We did brass over bolt. Yep. We didn't bother doing a stovepipe. No. Because, you know, it's pretty easy. Well, and we learned what the most common malfunction is. You run out of ammo. Put yeah. more ammo in the thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh. And, uh, and then so... This was all done pretty close. Then we uh, went to a different part of the range where we really got dynamic and yep. moved with a partner and shot from cover and just amazing. Team communication, all the team tactics stuff, you know, that was uh, pretty awesome. How to communicate and your team member moving up and down down the field. Yes. And that's, that's it, Rick. I think that's really what, what separates Vitals 1 from Vitals 2 and this class from probably a lot of other classes is this was not just a shooting class. This was a tactics class. Yeah, you almost a, a fighting class, if you will. Yes. Yeah. Well, it was really. I mean, yeah. you took some, some, you know, some tips and trip, tips and tricks on how to uh, fight with a buddy. Yep. yep. And that's totally invaluable. Like that's stuff. You guys rocked it. You guys were teamed up together. You guys were great. Um, you know, just uh, you guys have been shooting together for a long time. You had that symbiotic relationship with each other, where you know you you team up with a new guy. You gotta slowly get into the groove of uh, helping each other's backs and not even communicating anymore. You guys were doing changes and moving up without even having to communicate, which is yeah. We got to the point, Trevor, where we we didn't have to yell what we were doing back and forth. We knew we yep. we, we we were speaking with hate. I think as was how we communicated with hate. I think is how we called it through hate. Yeah, yeah. when one of right. us was putting hate down range, the other one could move. I got thinking about that though, Matthew, and there was, uh, and I really, now it's, uh, this is whole way, this is all wasted because I can't remember what the issue was, but it did occur to me that, um, there was a problem with our, with our tactic of, you know, if I'm, if he's shooting, that means I can move. If I'm shooting, that means he can move. So where other people were saying, move, okay, moving, uh, ready, okay, you know, the back and forth. So yeah. We weren't, there was a reason why I, th- felt that we should have been doing it but i can't for the life of me remember i mean what we did worked out well but i think there's a pitfall there somewhere to to not practicing the communication back and forth i'd love to hear what that is because that would be something that we can both learn from so if you think of it let me know and and maybe we can update the listeners next week if we think of it and uh let them know why but in the situation that we were in it did actually work very nicely um we were very smooth together i felt so that was nice you guys probably get in the groove of like not keeping an open ear out for your buddy Yep. You know, you're focused on downrange or your threats and you're not... I know what it was. Oh, okay. I know what it was. Okay, so here was the drill. You had to basically tell your partner that you were going to move, and if it was clear for you to move and he could cover you, he would yell okay, you would yell moving, you would move. When you got to where you were, you would say ready, then he would say move, uh, moving, and he and then your buddy would say move, you would start moving when you got to where you were. You would say, ready. Then there's different commands for coming backwards. What you and I did, Matthew, was if you're shooting, that means I can move. Right. I can't move if you're not laying down hate. Right. And then when I got to my new position and I started to lay down some hate, then you were able to move and you knew it was okay to move because you could hear my gun, right? Right. Well, what if it was the other guy's gun? Oh, well, see, I'm there looking downrange and I'm shooting. And whenever I see... You're, yeah, but I'm moving, and I'm moving because I hear gunfire. Yeah, it's your gunfire that tells me to move, right? Right. But what if it's not your gunfire? And but I, I, th- I think, and, and I, I mean, I'm, I've never been in a combat situation. I've never had rounds fired towards me. But I would think that the sound signature is different. 
I would think that it would be a lot quieter incoming rounds than than outgoing because we're much closer to each other. I mean, you, I would just think that you would you would very quickly be able to tell outgoing rounds compared to incoming rounds. Now that being said, like I said, maybe I don't. Maybe there is no way. And so that let's not find out. But maybe let's <laughs> yeah. ask somebody who who has That's found out and see if that is something that we need to be concerned with. Because yeah. Daniel did approve our situation. He, he did, did he say, did. he did yeah. comment and say, wow, that was really good. You guys didn't even need to communicate. You just listened for the other guy to shoot and you went. And, you know, he seemed impressed with that. So I'm yeah, sure there's other situations where, you know, you're asking permission to move. And maybe the guys with eyes on the threats can see a lot more threats. And if you're, you know, they're not uh, pinned down by your cover fire and you move on your own, you know, maybe your buddy would think, hey, this is not a good time for you to move. Yeah, exactly. And that's when he would yell, no, 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 and stop, you know. And if, if he sees you starting to go, then he would he would yell. But I think I, I think that you would be foolish to move without first surveying the situation. I don't think anybody yeah. is just going to pop up and start running. They're going to yeah, right. pop up and look, make sure it's cool, and then they're going to go. So. Yeah, like the guy on the right had a more of a, a clear sector view on the downrange where the guy on the left had a bunch of obstructions. Yep. So, you know, the guy on the right had better eyes on. So if the guy on the left can't see what's going on downrange and so yeah. uh, every situation is different, right? So, yep. you know, Daniel said, hey, guys, that's that's good and cool. You know, make it work and you guys made it work. So well, I think yeah. that the trick is to keep your head open, keep your eyes open and be prepared to be. Well, I mean, dynamic. Be prepared yeah. to think on your feet and to uh, adapt to each situation. Yeah, yeah, and and we did do that too. Where I heard pistol shots, I did. I didn't turn around to see where you were. I knew where you were, and yeah. but I knew you were shooting a pistol. So when you got to the point where we consolidated on the same cover, you had I ammo had, out for me. I had, yeah, I was shooting and get. Uh, I had ammo ready for you, and he thought that was good too. He's yep. Like, Wow. Okay. Like he gets up here, and you already got extra ammo waiting for him. Yep. Good on you, right? Absolutely. So th- let's talk about this last drill a little bit, and um, it, it involved laying a shot 200 yards downrange, and when you had confirmation of a hit, then your partner laid a shot, two shots in a row downrange. You had to get two hits, 200 yards. When you got them, your partner had to get them. When your partner got them, then you guys moved to the next position. Right, and, and so. meanwhile, before before I mean, you the, your partner was doing push-ups. Yes, exactly. Yeah. One's shooting and one's doing push-ups. So, so. You, you, it behooves you to to get your hits quickly because that's your partner you're wearing out by missing. Right. So Matthew and I knew that my Mark 18 hadn't gotten really good hits earlier in the day at 200. What we didn't know at the time was my optic had come loose. Oh, is that what it was? That's what it was. Yeah. Huh. Every once in a while, I'd be low. High left, low, high left. Yeah, that sounds like an optic. Yep. Yeah, and then when Daniel was shooting my rifle at 200, he was like, "Your your optics coming off and on," and and it wasn't the real stats fine. The battery's fine. It 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 was it was just the mount. It was was yeah, it was bouncing so much that you were just losing sight of the reticle. Yeah. So anyway, got that squared away. But so we didn't know why I wasn't getting good hits at 200. But and I mean the rifle's capable. Muffin's got a little. $150 $150 scope on his and he's shooting clays at 200. Yeah, exactly. Them, right. Yeah. So, so anyway, Matthew and I, uh, were told, uh, okay, if you guys are going first, we got a surprise for you. Oh, great. <laughs> then, uh, we're walking back and we come up with a surprise of our own. So here's yeah. the deal, Matthew. We're going to lay both our rifles on the line. I'll shoot first. You'll do push ups and then we'll switch, but we're both shooting with your rifle because we know your rifle can get hits. Yep. So, all right. Ready, set, go. We both hit the dirt. I grab Matthew's rifle. 
pow, pow, two hits in a row. I start doing push-ups, and I keep I doing, crapped the bed is what I, I did. I keep doing push-ups. He kept doing push-ups. <laughs> I was shooting away. They're calling out my hits, and I wasn't listening to them. That was my problem. I wasn't listening to the spotter. I was just shooting. I'm like... Okay, what do you mean I missed? What do you mean? And then I then he yelled out, "Hi!" Oh, and so I adjusted, and and my next two hits were were hits. It was I got two in a row as soon as I figured out where to hold. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that was my bad. Sorry, man. Yeah, out of you know. But you still ran fast. So yeah, as soon as we, as soon as the second person got their hits, which was me in this case, Trevor stayed as Overwatch, and I booked her about you know twenty yards ahead, went prone and covered him while he ran up to his first position and we had two lanes a right lane and a left lane as rick was describing earlier and uh, we leapfrogged all the way down 200 yards almost i guess it would probably be about what 175 we stopped about 25 from the end yeah and so we leapfrogged all the way down covering fire back and forth and then when we got there like you said you had uh, rifle ammo ready for me because you heard me shooting my pistol because i ran out of ammo on the way down and um when we get there we're consolidating daniel's like okay all the threats are down but you got a buddy back there. He needs to make it back to where you... Well, not where you started. He needs to make it back to the 100-yard line. And so um, you stayed as cover, and I ran back to where Don was. Well, Don weighs more than... Well, he's, he's not that heavy. I mean... It's maybe, what, he, 160, 170? No, I he's mean, more than yeah. that. Yeah, I was going to give him 180. He's got a big upper body. I mean, yeah. he's just about six feet tall. And he has all his gear on, but whatever. Yeah. I mean, I picked up Daniel last year and carried him, you know, quite a ways. Like, I, I know I can pick up. I knew I could pick him up, and I did pick him up, but I hadn't just run 200 yards last year, and this year I had, and I was dead tired as it was. So, anyway, I got him up on my shoulders. Um, it took me a couple seconds because I forgot how to pick up a person. There's the whole bending the knees and stepping on their feet I and pulling didn't them up. Even occur to me to try the fireman carry. Right, I so I want so better if I did. I did the fireman carry. I got him up on my shoulders and I took about two steps. I'm like, nope, this ain't working. Like my body just went, no, nope, you're done. And so down he went with a bit more gravity than he probably wanted to encounter. However, um, I grabbed the back of his vest and I started dragging him. And I dragged him, you know, about two two feet or so and went, nope. I'm not going anywhere, so I yell at Trevor. Trevor, get over here! Would you yell? Shoot him! <laughs> he said, I can't move him. Shoot him. That was my reply. So, so Trevor and I switch spots. Trevor runs back. He gets a hold of him. I'm covering downrange, and Daniel yells threat a few times. I shoot my gun while Trevor um, hauls Don back to the 100-yard line, and so that was sort of our, our surprise. And Yeah, not without incident. I got about, I got about halfway and I stopped to take a break and I had James in one ear and Daniel in the other and uh, you yelled back how you making out Daniel was like check on your buddy check on your buddy you're like how you making out and I just replied we're we're both gonna die <laughs> <laughs> oh man forty years old running yeah. around like that and carrying people and stuff yeah no Rick what did you do when you had to when you got to that situation there uh, we our victim was uh, ahead of the cover. So I kind of picked him up by his harness and dragged him from behind cover. And I wasn't really sure what the scenario was. So I kind of assessed the situation. And Daniel said, hey, uh, your buddy's got a, you know, a right leg gunshot wound. He's got a tourniquet on him. you got to move him to a safer area. And uh, with the fireman carry, it's great. But you have such like a higher profile. Yep. And uh, I'm not afraid to throw a guy on my shoulders, as you know, this year. Uh, but I just I got the low profile, picked him up by his uh, the middle of his harness, and just dragged him back to twenty yards. Um, 
Luke Giroux and I, we talked about those carry handles on the back of your plate carriers. Uh-huh. You're going to bend down way too low and it hurts your back. So if you can get a better grasp, grasp on it and lift him up to more of your, your center of chest and then pull him back. Right. And and you're not dragging as much of his body then too, less drag on the ground, which means you can you can go a little bit faster. Yeah, get him up on his heels yep. and you can go like, uh, you know, food through a baby. Uh, so we did that and, uh, you know, set him down gently and... Uh, that's a shout out to James, by the way. Right. And, and uh, yeah, so then, then the drill was over. And uh, yeah, so that was, that was pretty cool. Yeah, but then what did you do? Uh, after that, we, uh, I think everyone else went. And then I played victim. I didn't mind, uh, you know, going out there and playing victim. And that's when James picked me up. And he finally got me back to the 100 the yard line and he just dropped me. <laughs> and I just fell to the ground. And there's a couple words there. I'm like, <sighs> anyway, so. He completed the task. He got me back to cover safely, and then he just dropped me like a bag of potatoes. So, like, oh, dude. <laughs> so uh, I think everyone went, and then uh, I said to Daniel, "I said, dude, I got to carry you." Uh, last year, I ran into the problem where I think I was giving her too hard. We had to sprint like fifty yards, engage all the targets, and run around to the other range, engage all the targets, come back, stole the rifle, pick up Daniel, and carry him fifty yards. Mm-hmm. And I was giving her. By the time I got to pick up Daniel, I think my legs were made of spaghetti, and there's they're like trembling. There's nothing, nothing to give. Uh, so I said to Daniel this year, like, dude, I got to carry you. He's like, all right. So he got down, picked him up, carried him 100 yards up over the two berms and up that last little stretch in that big top of the 200 yep. yard range. And uh, you brought him up the hill where you could have blown a calf muscle. I'm just saying, I know about that hill. Yeah. That's a dangerous hill. <laughs> the task was I had to carry my buddy up to the top of the to the start, so that was my task. And I said, Dan, you okay back there? He's like, Yeah, I'm good. I'm like, I'm not giving up. I'm not stopping, man. So, uh, you know, it was great uh, to redeem myself from last year, and uh, that was the goal that I set for myself this year, and I wanted to meet and exceed that goal. So, I'd say you did, and congratulations yeah. on that for sure. Yeah, you carried him last year's distance, and then some. Then you some. It. Amazing. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, you know, it's, uh, you know, Daniel, he's, he's a great instructor, but he also inspires people to do more and be more than, than they are. And I don't really see that in a lot of instructors. Um, uh, Filthy, I think, sent me a message yesterday and he's like, what do you think about this class compared to other classes? And I'm like, you know what, uh, you know, Tommy teaches his thing and Mass teaches his thing in the Meg 40 classes, but where Daniel, like he, you know, like he's on the range and we're stop shooting and we're just doing a hydration break, whatever. And, or he's talking about, you know, you know, the love of your family members or love of your buddy. And, you know, you got to crank up your, uh, I think you use the word, uh, I don't know what word he used, but your adrenaline factor to 11 to complete the task, you know, and you got to protect your family. And it's just, uh, he uses that line. I uh, teach people to lead safer lives and yeah. uh, totally on board with that. And, I think that uh, I can't. I didn't get the motivation from any other instructor than I do from from Daniel. Um, and last year, after I left, uh, I worked out three times a week, lost twenty five pounds, and I want to make sure I could carry someone Daniel size or someone you know two hundred thirty pounds, two hundred fifty pounds, and that was my goal for this year. So uh, I owe a lot to Daniel, and I think he's uh, he's a good person, very passionate about what he does, and uh, best way to. Uh, you know, reward teachers uh, for a student to, to meet and exceed the teacher's uh, teaching. So that was my task for this year, and I accomplished it. So I'm pretty pretty proud of myself. And, uh, you know, the, the group of guys we had there, like the, uh, the Esprit de Corps, I think Daniel Shaw called it. Yep. You know, it was awesome. Like, we're, we all 
we were brothers when we started, but I think we're even more brothers uh, as we ended. Uh, we didn't get a lot of time with James and Don, but maybe next year, next time, we can kind of roll them into the group. And uh, uh, you know, sad to leave you guys, but uh, it's it's a great uh, building experience as an individual to to do a course like that. It wasn't just about the shooting; it was uh, about the camaraderie and the, the the brotherhood, which I thought was you know just as important as uh, the shooting part. Yeah, I agree, hundred percent. I mean, uh, you know, yeah, that whole the whole feeling closer to to the guys that you fight with. I mean, you really do. And I know we don't fight together. You know, someday we may, but right now we're just training together. But that's, you know, I, I'm sure it's not even close to the same level as as being able to fight with somebody. But just having that that camaraderie of, you know, we just went through two days of pretty pretty intense training, and you you knew that the guy sitting up opposite you in the room there had just gone through that exact same situation. And so you just kind of felt that, that sort of, you know, that, that brotherhood of it sort of really. Yeah. There was a lot of, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of man hugs going around. I think, uh, a lot more than I expected. Me too. Yeah. You know, there's yeah. a lot of testosterone flowing and a lot of adrenaline. And because we all were pushed to a breaking point physically together and we came through on the other side, it, it gave us all a bond that we now share. Uh, you're talking about, um, it's too bad we didn't get more time with, with um, Don and James. James, like a couple of days later, was like, hey, October 23rd, let's get some of the boys together and let's, uh, let's, uh, let's clear the house and let's clear the maze and let's, let's do some more stuff. I'm like, oh yeah, <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of us that took this class from New Brunswick that we could make it a monthly thing, get out yep. and, Let's do this malfunction drill. Let's do the 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 uh, was it not the bump but the uh, was it called the bounding? Do bounding, the bounding, yeah. bounding you know, yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. And you so, know, I gotta I gotta cut you off for a sec. And Fred doing everything in full battle dress. Oh man, goggles in that heat. And, oh. uh, he was just uh, you know the green machine out there. You're yeah. right. And Luke Giroux, hats off to him. And he brought me he brought his plate carrier into my house on Friday night with the plates in it. I'm like. Have you ever worn this for like more than thirty minutes in your whole life? He's like, no. And you think you're gonna wear this for two days? Good luck, pal. He did it, man. He didn't complain he did once. It. Oh God, he wouldn't complain. He's yeah. a tough mother. He Look, is. I I carried like my whole Ipsic belt and holster and mags. Yeah, we were, you and I were as as um, <laughs> low speed, high drag. No wait, other way around. We were high speed, low drag. Yeah, we were we were wearing uh, pretty much. Ipsic gear, like I would have worn different pistol equipment on the for the pistol class, but uh, you know I had a Kydex holster and an Ipsic belt, and yeah. uh, basically, uh, well, the <laughs> Rick, the double mag pouch you gave me—that's what caused that really beautiful purple bruise that I posted on Facebook. Really? <laughs> yep. Has yeah. Pinch in the skin. Whenever I would get in certain positions, it would just dig right into my hip. Nice. My ribs are bruised. My hip is bruised, my knee is bruised, my bicep is bruised. Um, I think that's it. My mm. my ego is bruised a little yeah. bit. Yeah. You know. I think uh, everybody's ego took a bit of a hit. Yeah. 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 I mean everybody stepped up their game in this class. Like there was nobody, like I said this to you on the back deck. Normally I, you, you know, some of us we stand out in in these classes because of our ipsic experience, because of our other training classes. There was no one person, except for Rick maybe, who stood out above and beyond the other shooters. 
you know, we we were all up there. It was awesome. Like yeah, it was it was nice to have that sort of you know to have the same level shooters all the way around you. And it didn't. I mean, there were some people who, you know, don't have the same level of experience, but still stepped up and were able to complete all the drills and proficiently. So, yeah, Ga- Gallon can run that rifle. Yes, yeah, he can. That. Yeah, he was picking that like all the way up that 200 yards and didn't miss a shot. It was really impressive. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he was the man on that too. So yeah, you said every everyone shined. That's for sure. Yep. You you're talking about Daniel not only being an excellent instructor but being inspiring. Like uh, I'm using this as a springboard to drop the extra 30 pounds that I put on since I got into shooting sports. When I got in back in 2011. I had lost 36 pounds. So I'm 30 pounds heavier than I was when I got into shooting in 2011. And uh, it's time to get disciplined again. And I did it basically through just diet. And I don't mean diet like I dieted. I just followed Canada's food guide and I ate the right things in the right amounts at the right times. Nothing special. I just I didn't eat junk and uh, ate, a, ate a really balanced, had a, a balanced diet. And uh, the weight just fell off. And, uh, could you, could you have just like given it to me? That would have been cool. Yeah. No, you don't want it. <laughs> so knowing that next time we see Daniel, he, he's going to push us even harder. I'm inspired to lose the extra weight and be in better shape for next time. <laughs> you know, my journal and some of the listeners may have heard us talk about this journal before. My wife and I keep a journal, uh, that we ask all of our guests to sign. And this journal is going back a decade now already. Um, and so archery tournaments, all kinds of different things. When the house is always full of people, we always ask them to sign the book. And what Daniel wrote was, next time, I break you. (laughs) So every once in a while, when I'm not feeling like eating properly or maybe going out for a a bike ride or dragging my ass to the range, I'm going to pick up that journal and look at it and read those words and think he's coming back for me. So, yeah, you better be ready. Yeah, like we Rick, all better be ready. <laughs> Rick wanted uh, to redeem himself and carried Shaw 100 yards on his back. Well, I don't want Shaw to break me, but I'm not getting any younger. So there's certainly I can't stop the the clock, but I can lose the extra pounds, which will yep. certainly help with stamina. Absolutely, beauty. Well, I, I think we can sum this up by saying it was a fantastic weekend. Uh, lots learned by all, and everybody had a good time. I think Daniel was very, very pleased with the class. He said that he had fun, and he said he doesn't always have fun. And so, the fact that we were able to give him a not only a, a you know, a good class, but he had fun with us, and I think that says a lot. So. Um, I really enjoyed that aspect that he was able to have fun with us. And you know what? We, we've had, uh, you know, I've been in, I've been in, you know, a, a few different, um, instruction classes, uh, shooting and otherwise, you know, first aid and firefighting and, you know, other instructional things that I've, I've had to go through. And there are some instructors who, once they start instructing, they're instructing, they're serious. There's no bull crap. There's no horsing around. There's nothing. It is serious. We're, you know, let's do this and get her done. Well, Daniel was like that when he needed to be, but he also understood that he didn't have to be like that all the time. And there were times right in the middle of instruction, all of a sudden, everybody was hugging everybody and feeling each other's bums. <laughs> like, it just, you know, it would just spontaneously happen that something would, you know, we just all goofed off for about two minutes, and then we were all right back where we needed to be. But that sort of level of, okay, we're very dead serious about this. But that's hilarious. Let's laugh about it. Okay, now let's get back to being dead serious. It was it was nice to have that break throughout the day a couple of times where, you know, it just sort of broke the tension and relieved the stress and everybody just kind of stayed happy. 
I don't normally uh, see that in the class. No, not normally. I, I like that part of it. I, I know some people really like the let's get serious and stay serious. And you know what? There's a place for that. And I don't, you know, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Personally, I like the let's get serious. Okay, let's have a couple seconds to be hilarious. Now let's get back to serious again. And uh, I, I, just, I liked it. It varies from group to group. As a classroom teacher, I can tell you that there are some groups that you can do that with and some groups you can't because it's up to the group how much you can do that. That's true. Be- yes, I've I've been in classes before where, and I'm going back to like elementary class now whenever yeah. I'm at work. There are some classes where you can goof off with for a second and then they all come back to serious. But if there are some classes where you goof off for a second, the rest of the period's gone. Yeah. Yeah. So... So, yeah, it was nice to be one of those classes that he felt comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like he last year, he told you to shut your mouth. Right yes, he did. The, yeah, right, like thirty seconds in. Yeah, you shut your mouth. Like yeah. he was like, "Oh, you're the wise guy. I'm gonna break you right now, so yeah. the rest fall into place." <laughs> and he was setting the tone. But this year, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So, um, closing thoughts. Dynamic. Yeah. Uh, Daniel talked about some event simulation training that he does in Wichita and he was kind of doing a little spiel about that. I think we had us all salivating at the mouth that uh, we all wanted to jump in our car right away and go down and check that out. And some real world 36 hour immersion into the, you know, the SH uh, it's the fan type of thing. So it's uh, I think we're all kind of on board with uh, doing something like that if we can make it happen, but uh, it's quite a long ways to go definitely for you guys. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, I yeah, I'm gonna get in trouble with somebody, but uh, uh, the only the only way to do it is to forego the apple seed in March and do it in March. Well, unless we do it next year too. I mean, we don't have to do it right away. Yeah, we do. We got to keep the momentum alive. All right. Well, yeah. Apples, yeah. We'll see what happens. <laughs> we'll we'll figure it out one way or another. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, anything anything else you guys want to add before we move on to some listener feedback? I think uh, you know if anyone can get down to Wichita for. Uh, Thunderbirds Firearm Academy and get some training down there or uh, I think it's well worth the drive or the flight down and uh, uh, as far as the instructors that I've seen he's a great asset to the community so um, I can't wait to do next time mm. and and so you mentioned Thunderbird Tactical that's what I'm going to end on go check out Thunderbird Tactical's website and just google Daniel Shaw if you've never heard of him before he used to do a podcast um called Gun Nation Podcast. No, Gun Nation, no. The, the Gunfighter Cast. The, the Gunfighter Cast with John yeah. McGregor. Um, he's a former uh, U.S. Marine Corps Master Instructor. And uh, check out some of his amazing YouTube videos. He does gun reviews and training reviews, and you'll get kind of a, a snapshot of, of what he's like and what his training classes are like. Yeah. And then go take one. Yeah, absolutely. Or come take one. Yeah. <laughs> More people we meet on uh, from the podcast community, the better. Yep, I concur. All right, well, let's move into some listener feedback then. Uh, Trevor, want to bring us this first one from Justin? Sure. He says, I emailed into the show a little while ago and asked about the piece of paper you referenced again this week. I asked if I should call into the Canadian Firearms Program, and I think you said that everyone should, just to let them know that it is very common for no one to know anything about it. Well, I did, and I forgot to email you about it. I was told by the lady on the other side of the phone that it is only required to have in my possession if there are conditions on my license. I will try to do this phone call again and record it and email it into the show so you can play it if you wish. Thanks for keeping up the great show. 
and helping us all current with the changing legislation. And uh, also, sorry about what happened with your 2011, Trevor. Thank you, Justin. It's all better now. P.S. Can you explain the practical difference between single and double stack pistol magazines? Example, reliability. Okay, well, let's get to that one in just a second. First of all, um, so that, that piece of paper that comes with your PAL that says carry this with you at all times, the CFC, Canadian Firearms Center, uh, this is who he called, uh, basically said, no, you only have to carry it if there are actually special conditions on your license. That being said, that's not what the piece of paper says. So mm-hmm. that's up to you to decide what you want to do. Again, that being said, if you have a restricted and you get your um, automatic ATT, it will be listed as a special condition on that piece of paper, so you're going to have to carry it anyway. So moot point, really. But thank you, Justin, for calling in and getting that uh, getting that you know confirmation from them. So it is, it is nice to hear that you know those of us who, who weren't carrying it when there were no special conditions on it weren't actually breaking any laws. It was just you know of, of sort of a, you well, know, carry this if you have if you have conditions. I don't know. Um, I think if you called three more people. You might might get get three different answers. Yep. Because as you said, the lady he spoke to, and and I listened to the recording, he did submit the audio and I listened to it, and um, he did a a real good job. The lady he spoke to did say just that. No, you do not need to carry that unless you have special conditions. But the piece of paper says differently. Mm -hmm. So who do you believe? Do you believe her or do you believe the piece of paper? Well, well, I would the, like I'd like to say that you believe common sense, but however, common sense has nothing to do with firearms laws. It so has I nothing guess, to do with yeah. it has nothing to do with the law, no. and everything to do with the letter of the law is what matters in court. So, yeah. if you're in court and they read that piece of paper in court, they're going to go by what that says, not your word against some uh, operator at the CFC who's answering right. the phone. Yeah. Well, except that he has a recording of it, so now he actually has a good reason to. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it would be admissible or not. Anyhow. um, Yeah. Thanks for doing that, Justin. And as for double stack mags versus single stack mags, um, the practical differences, uh, capacity, one's going to give you a bigger grip than the other because you have a double stack mag. The bullets are side by side um, instead of just one on top of each other. Reliability, uh, if you have a good gun, a good bag, reliability is pretty much the same between the two as far as my experience is concerned. I would actually argue that double stack mags are more reliable. Mm. Yeah, think uh, of think of a common double stack mag, uh, Glock. Okay, think of a common single stack mag. Let's see, I don't know, 1911. Hmm. <laughs> and I, it's hard to get a 1911 and chambered in 9mm to run correctly, and the, the key is the mag. Yeah. And then even a lot of single stack 45 mags, some are garbage. You know, the Wilson Combat 47D is supposed to be the holy grail of, I think it's 47D. Wilson Combat single stack 45 ACP mag is supposed to be the one that's the most reliable for single stack 1911 mags. Um, so, uh, practical. Yeah, it comes down to the magazine itself. Uh, whether it's double stack or single stack, I don't really think that is the contributing factor. That's not the variable. The variable is the quality of the magazine. Mm. It's like saying are, are two-seater cars more reliable or four-seater cars more reliable? Well, it depends if it's a Ford or a Toyota. So not, the, not, yeah. the, one of the reasons for the invention of the double-stack magazine uh, was to add more capacity to the firearm. When the Glock 17 came out and had a double-stack magazine that held 17 rounds of 9mm, that was above and beyond anything that was out there at the time. You had six-cylinder revolver, six 
shot revolvers or seven or eight shot capacity 1911s. And then this 17 round nine millimeter arrives on the scene. It was revolutionary at the time in the early eighties to have that much capacity in your handgun. So, but as Matthew said, because you have a double stack mag, you do get a wider grip, but they're still very ergonomic and comfortable. CZ 75. Yep. Is a double stack nine millimeter. Yeah, it's still very comfortable. Very comfortable for small yeah. hands. Yeah. So, cool. Did you have anything to add to that, Rick? No, you guys covered it perfectly. Excellent. Well, well we covered it. Well, let's, let, yeah, we covered it. So again, Justin, thank you for the email. Uh, next email comes to us from Rick. I know I that guy. Remember. Huh? You know that guy. I never heard right. of her. <laughs> uh, Rick, right? I'd have Rick write it or read it himself, but he doesn't have his notes open, so that's cool. Because he didn't get them. That's okay, though. Uh, he writes, Hello, Trevor and Matthew. Just wanted to send you a short email to say thanks for sending out the Daniel Shaw class. It was an excellent two-day experience with lots of info learned and time spent with good friends. Can't wait until the next Slam Fire adventure. On a more sobering note, I would like to wish Owen good travels in his departure from the show. He will be greatly missed. I'm sure I speak for all of us when I say, hopefully, he returns soon. Anyway, thanks for everything you do, guys, and the things that you have done in the past, Owen included in that. Stay safe, Rick. So, Rick, fantastic email. Thank you. We're going to totally uh, totally miss Owen there. He's, yeah. uh, I really like the little prepper kind of side of uh, that he brought to the group. Uh, but uh, hopefully you guys can find a replacement that kind of you know fills that gap. So that would be uh, something I'll definitely look forward to. Um, in the meantime, I was able to, to find another kind of podcast. And uh, I found the Modern Combat and Survival podcast. And that guy seems to kind of fill the gap for now until you can find more of a Canadian presence with the, the prepper thing. So you guys can do that that would be great and that would definitely make me happy so basically what i got from all that is you're cheating on us pretty much pretty much <laughs> yeah we were on a break <laughs> <laughs> uh that's funny uh so what i got from that was we need to find another host who has a certain amount of prepping in his background or well, background. it's kind of like the pieces of the pie and you got to mix it up a little bit, and I think uh, Owen added that great extra piece of pie, and uh, uh, that's, that's something that I tuned in that I kind of relate to closest thing to me. So, not that you know you guys talk about you know Ipsic or hunting and stuff. You know, I mean, uh, Owen had some some great stuff, and hopefully he keeps on doing his blog because I'll, I'll definitely follow that. But uh, no, no, if he's got time for the blog, he's got time to podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's we'll see what's uh, hoping. He, uh, he comes back and uh, at least has some guest appearances or something at least. Or, but uh, anyways, I, I wish him well, and uh, he will be truly missed. Well, hopefully he's not gone long. Uh, you know, the deal is whoever comes on to replace him, uh, when Owen comes back, not if, when, uh, they'll, you know, they either stay or, or go. Hopefully they'll stay. I think four hosts wouldn't be a bad idea. Yeah, so that'd be all right. I'm certainly, I, you know... Um, I speak for Matthew and everyone when I say that, you know, his spot is here whenever he wants it. Yep, definitely. Awesome. awesome. All right, well, this next one comes to us from Chuck. Princess Patricia Light Infantry Regiment. Man, what a small freaking world. You're I spent two in a row now? Is, is that did it? I, oh, oh, I did do that, didn't I? Red yeah, I don't no, care. Okay, you're doing fine, Karen. Yeah, I don't care. I'm going to keep going. <laughs> thanks, thanks for I spent a month up in Edmonton in 1993 when I was with the 194th Separate Armor Brigade out of Fort Knox, Kansas? No, KY. Kentucky. You can't burn this! 
<laughs> Fort Knox, you got it. Great time, she says. It was the first time as an American soldier that I was able to drink beer during field maneuvers, thanks to Can uh, Canadian long-standing customs, I hope. Um, my whole experience in the military up to that time was with the M1 main battle tank with its quiet turbine. So when I was out on an observation point and the PPLIR leopards with their crazy loud diesels were coming, uh, we thought they were just over the ridge and reported the activity. And we waited and waited and waited and then we waited some more. As it turned out, because I was used to being able to hear the M1 turbines at a certain distance, we grossly misjudged the distance of the leopards. They were actually a couple miles further away than when we first reported. <laughs> uh, loved the mall in Edmonton. It was the biggest I'd ever been in. It was certainly the first time I'd ever experienced an indoor roller coaster. Good episode from Chuck. So thanks, Chuck. I'm glad we could help bring out some of, uh, some of your better memories. Um, so, yeah, uh, I have zero experience with tanks, but uh, I can understand what you're saying. Uh, you know, when you're used to listening to something that's quiet, you know, quote-unquote quiet, and then, you, you know, something's really loud, yeah, I guess it'd be easy to, to misjudge the distance. So hopefully they didn't razz you over that too much, and, you know, you just drank some beer because because Canada. Exactly. Yeah. Beer on maneuvers because Canada. Because Canada. Just because. Uh, well, if you'd like to email the show, and uh, maybe even Trevor will read the next one next week. Who knows? Uh, sorry about that, Trevor. I just I, I got I, away from myself there. So okay with it? Like you have no idea. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you can send an email to slamfireradio at gmail dot com. Um, I did not look up to see if we have any new iTunes reviews. We haven't for a while, so I'm just going to guess we don't, and uh, maybe we'll check for next week. So anybody out there who wants to write an iTunes review for us, that'd be great. We love them. It helps us get the show noticed a bit. Um, and uh, thanks to everybody who has because uh, they, are, they are a lot of fun to read. Um, let's move into some shout-outs then. What do you guys got? I'm going to go first. Uh, yeah, go, yeah, go, Rick. I'm going to take the horns and go first. I'd like to shout-out to you, T. Montero, Brian Bolivar. We haven't said his name on the show yet today. so Yeah, there was a reason for that, and now you've gone ahead and ruined it. I know, it's a humanitarian thing. So he was teamed up with me for the second day of the rifle course, and now he uh, represented Team Ontario there pretty good. Uh, yes, I'd say you guys did. He didn't even wear his kilt, which made me so much more comfortable. Yeah, he can do without the kilt thing. But hey, if that's what he's into, it's all good. But uh, yeah, Not that there's anything wrong with that. Yeah, no. there's a lot of people with Spanish names that wear kilts, whatever. <laughs> And, you know, and all the uh, the brothers from the class and Dan Shaw, um, awesome. And uh, the listeners who can come out next time, please come out. More of us would make an awesome type of experience. He's more awesomer. Awesomer. You heard it here first, folks. Actually, you, had, you didn't. Awesomer is really a word now. Uh, it is. Nice. Yeah, definitely. Sorry to cut you off, Trevor. It's all yours now. No, it's all uh, fine. It's all good. I'm used to it on the show, man. Do you got any shout-outs, Trevor? Uh, okay, so I think I'll go next. Uh, <laughs> uh, just kidding. Go smiling. Ahead. Uh, Rick took it. It was oh. to all the guys who took the class. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, I would like to send my shout outs to the ladies that came to the class. Uh, they didn't participate in the shooting, but they participated. They were in charge of Filthy's camera and several other smartphones that were used for cameras and videos and whatnot. Uh, Andrea, Jason's uh, girlfriend, and Jewel, my wife, uh, took lots of really cool pictures, helped sort of uh, commemorate, not, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? I don't even know what it is. Help capture the moment. 
There you go, of, of the event, and it'll be something that we'll be able to look back on. And, and there were some really good pictures. Uh, Jewel was getting kind of artsy, and so was Andrea with the, the, the camera, and there were some really neat pictures. So I'm really happy that, that they, they turned out as well as they did. And uh, just to have them on the range, just, uh, you know, little bit of estrogen mixed in with all the testosterone, you know, maybe helped even it out a little bit. Uh, I don't know. And cookies. And cookies. Oh, my goodness. Andrea cooked cookies. So that was cool. The best the best cookies, man. Like, those cookies are becoming a staple, like Jewel's stories. And unfortunately, there wasn't a story. We kept getting sidetracked, and we never got our story in. Yeah, that's I think right. it's like the first time we all got together in a slam fire thing, and Jewel didn't read to us. Right. <sighs> so show it to Jewel. Next time, Jewel. Definitely. So n- now it's like story time with Jewel while eating Andrea's cookies. Oh, I like it. There you go. Yeah. Wrap it all up. I concur. Oh, you were saying, yeah, to me, I'll wrap it up. Okay, cool. No, I'm just um, saying that. So, <laughs> no, but I really am, though, because it, the show's over. I know it's sad, but it's got to come to an end, end eventually. I'm not. Ron not yet. Me. No, wait, wait. Any any closing thoughts, Rick or, or Trevor? Uh, you know, it, best closing thoughts I can say is, uh, I miss you guys. You're great brothers. Too bad you don't live closer. And, uh, I, you know, stand by your side and have your back any day. And those people in life are really hard to find nowadays and you guys and the other group that was with us uh were totally invaluable you guys rock and uh, i just wish you guys lived a lot closer but uh well here's the thing there's more of us than there are of you so why don't you move closer i'll pack up just and the baby we'll move out there beauty i mean you can fly out of fredericton or moncton man oh i know know. no no problem we'll make it work no nobody got shot down the street from my house ever yeah yeah not like your house i know it's getting bad here in london yeah you should come out here. It's safer. Oh, you never know. I'll not never see never. You never know what's going to happen. All right, Peter Pan. Yeah. No. <laughs> Pinocchio. 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 No, never oh, say never. That's that's that's, that's Peter Pan, Pan, isn't it? Yes. I don't know. I'm not a Disney freak. All right. Huh? Not Ron Burgundy. Yeah, not yet. Soon. All right. So check out the Crusader Podcast Network at CrusaderPodcast.com. Join any or all of our national firearms associations. Now. Check us out. Uh huh. Now? No, not yet. Check check us out on Gun Owners of Canada and like us on Facebook. I didn't update it, so it's the same number as last week, 1,264 with seven thumbs up. We only we didn't have any new thumbs up this week, so guys, we need some more thumbs up. So we uh, we, we appreciate all of the interaction with our listeners, so please interact with us because we like it. Yeah. Rick, thank you. Not yet. Almost. Rick, thank you for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. It's the, been a great pleasure. The pleasure's been all ours. Okay, now. I'm not Ron Burgundy. <laughs> Close enough. See you next week, guys. So if you have any comments or questions for the show, please send an email to slamfireradio at gmail.com. Now go grab a gun and shoot something. When the talking is over, it's time to get a gun.